During my first year of podcasting, I experimented with lots of techniques to discern what works best for my audience. I tested different ways of delivering my content through solo episodes, through guest interviews. I tested episode lengths. I tried everything from one minute long to 45 minute episodes. Looked at lots of different topics, standalone topics versus a mini series. I experimented with offering transcripts versus no transcripts. I experimented with different styles of show notes. I gave myself a full year to figure things out. As a longtime blogger, I've been blogging regularly since 2004, I knew that podcasting would be a slow burn, that it would take at least a year to get a good sense of where my podcast was heading and to establish the foundations of a loyal audience. After 52 weeks of podcasting weekly, I felt as if I had enough of a handle on podcasting that I was ready to join some groups where I'd intentionally promote my show to prospective listeners other than the ones who already follow me on social media or who subscribe to my email list. So I joined several private Facebook groups. I joined groups for writers, for female entrepreneurs, for podcasters, and many of these groups dedicate one day each week to allowing members to promote our latest podcast episode or our latest blog post. I highly recommend joining these kinds of groups as they're populated with like-minded people who are really supportive of the journeys that their fellow entrepreneurs are on. Make sure if you do join one of these groups or more than one that you abide by the group admins rules and that you post promotional content only in the threads where you're invited to do so. And don't limit your post to promoting your stuff. Participate in the other threads by answering questions, by asking questions, and mostly by sharing generously of yourself and your skills. Before I began promoting my podcast in these group's threads, I examined the way that others were promoting their content, and I discovered that there is a way of crafting and structuring promotional posts that works and a way that definitely does not work. Welcome to episode 65 of the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Christensen. I am here to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. In today's episode, I am going to give you 13 tips for crafting promotional social media posts that link to either your latest blog post or your latest podcast episode. When crafted thoughtfully, these promotional posts really do work. I see the results through likes and comments on my posts inside the groups. I see results when people who are in these groups subscribe to my email list. And I also see results through a steady increase in the number of weekly listens to my podcast. So let's start off our list with three things not to do. Number one, do not insert the raw link only with no explanatory text. I see this a lot in the Facebook groups that I'm in, where the admin will invite people to share their latest episode and people just post in the link to it. Now, this, in my opinion, is the lazy person's way of promoting, especially considering that your raw link is competing with 150 or 300 other promotions that are so compelling that group members can't help but click the link. Yes, inserting a raw link does create a snippet which features your title, it pulls in the featured image, which is usually postage stamp size, and it features the URL of the site where you're directing users. 
However, people who are scrolling through their feed generally won't click on a link to discover what your topic of the day is. Don't make them think. Don't make them work. Give them context. Throughout the rest of this episode, I'm going to be giving you some really good tips for how to give people context in a social media update. First rule, do not ever insert only a raw link to your blog post or your podcast episode into any type of a social media update. Does not give us enough context to work with. It is not a compelling call to action. Number two thing not to do, do not write a vague caption that encompasses a worldwide audience. I see this happening a lot in the groups that I'm in. People say things like, this is a fantastic interview with so-and-so. They insert the name of the guest. You'll love this informative conversation with so-and-so. This is a great post for women of all ages. And then they put the link in. Please don't call your own blog post or podcast episode or interview great, amazing, wonderful, fantastic, life-changing, powerful, or any other adjectives that you can think of. You can occasionally get away with using phrases such as an informative conversation or something like that, an entertaining conversation. However, all podcasts, particularly the ones that feature guests, should be delivering great informative conversations. What's the point in listening if they don't? While you, the podcaster or blogger, do know, of course, that your content is great and informative and life-changing and will benefit readers and listeners, telling us how great it is sounds overly promotional and just a teensy bit self-absorbed. I call these words crutch phrases, C-R-U-T-C-H, because great, amazing, powerful, are words that we lean on when we are limping along and we can't quickly think of a more creative description. And yes, I am guilty of using crutch words myself. You can go through my social media posts and point them out to me. So this is something that I am talking to myself here too. This is something that I need to work on. I mentioned earlier the quote, this is a great post for women of all ages. And then they insert the link. Now think about that. Women of all ages. That's too general of an audience. Very few blog posts or podcast episodes will equally interest that huge age range. Another one. This is an amazing episode on using social media to optimize your business. Think about that one. Using social media to optimize your business, that's way too broad. Narrow that down to something specific, such as, try this, using private Facebook groups to connect with 10 new business prospects per day. See, what you're doing there is you're getting specific. You're not just saying using social media, you're talking about which social network you're going to be using and which function within that social network you're using, Facebook groups. I'm not just optimizing my business, which is kind of a really generic do-nothing phrase. I'm using Facebook groups to connect with 10 new business prospects every day. See how different that is? How differently people will perceive that? Just get a little bit more specific there. Your massive action step here, and we always do massive action steps in this podcast, is ask yourself, who is my audience? Get really specific here. Your audience is not everyone in the world, and it's not every woman from age zero to 90, okay? So get very specific. Then, also speaking of specific, 
what specifically makes this piece of content great, amazing, or life-changing. And then the adage, show, don't tell. Take the extra time to craft a message that shows the reader the benefits of clicking the link, that shows them that it's great, amazing, or life-changing without using the words great, amazing, or life-changing. Third thing not to do, do not write a generic caption. Now, here are a couple of examples of generic captions. My latest post, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Yes, three exclamation points, and then with the link after that. Or the latest episode of, and then you insert the title of your blog or the title of your podcast. So if I was doing one like that, I would put the latest episode of The Professional Writer. That's the name of my podcast. Couple things to talk about here. Putting an exclamation point or two or three or more at the end of your generic caption artificially inflates its importance. In fact, exclamation points at the end of pretty much any sentence artificially inflates the importance. So try to write a social media post without an exclamation point in it. You can do it. Instead of telling us the name of your publication or broadcast, at least tell us the name of the post itself or the title of the episode. We are going to take a minute here. I am going to climb up on my soapbox. <laughs> climbing, climbing, climbing. Okay, I'm up on top of it now, and I'm going to share with you one of my pet peeves. Are you ready? When you say, check out my latest blog, or listen to my latest podcast, it's not called a blog. It's not called a podcast. For example, let's just use this for comparison. You wouldn't say, read my latest newspaper, or watch my latest TV. Newspaper, TV, blog, podcast, those identify the type of publication, the publication as a whole, the entity. So what is this thing that you post to your blog? It's not a blog. You don't post a blog to a blog. You post a blog post or a blog article. What is that piece of content that you publish to your podcast? You don't say, I'm publishing a podcast, because that refers to the podcast itself, the entire entity. You publish an episode. Just a little review there. Don't call it a blog, my latest blog, or my latest podcast. You say, this is my latest blog post, or my latest blog article, or this is my latest podcast episode, or just this is my latest episode. Climbing back down off my soapbox. Also related to generic captions, which you don't want to do, here's another example of one that I see a lot. Someone will just write the words, new episode featuring, and then they put in the name of the guest that is their guest that week. So new episode featuring Laura Christensen. Now, many readers and listeners, even if they're active in your niche, have probably not heard of your guest, even if the guest is relatively famous. Sometimes even if the guest is really famous, they will not have ever heard of that person. So give the user some context. Tack on an identifier or two. Here's one that I found as I was skimming through the various Facebook groups that I'm in. They did a good job of this. This person wrote, so-and-so on this podcast is going to interview Rich Stearns, President Emeritus of World Vision, on servant leadership in the nonprofit world. See how they did that? They just gave us a little bit of context. You might be thinking, Rich Stearns? Hmm, 
That name kind of sounds vaguely familiar, but who is he again? Oh, he's President Emeritus of World Vision. Well, pretty much everybody's heard of World Vision. And then what's he going to be talking about on servant leadership in the nonprofit world? Oh, okay, I get it. Now, that gives me a little bit of context about who this guy is and what he's going to be talking about. I'm interested. I'm going to click and go listen to that episode. Here's some other ways that you can give context. Let's say that you are interviewing an author on your podcast. In fact, I just interviewed Susan Meisner on my podcast a couple of weeks ago, and she is a USA Today bestselling author. So in my social media post, I said, I'm interviewing Susan Meisner, USA Today bestselling author. And if you want, you can give us even more context. You could say bestselling author of 30 books or 90 books or 20 books or however many books they've written. Here's another example that I found online. Insert the guest's name and then comma, followed by a little identifier, powerhouse Latina leader in Georgia. Oh, okay, that's interesting. They gave me really specific information there. Or let's say you're interviewing a literary agent. So you say literary agent, comma, and then insert their name. Gives me context, tells me what their job title is. Style expert and CEO writing coach, and then insert the guest name. You get the idea. Give us a little bit of context here. So those are three things not to do. Now let's move on and talk about 10 things to do. Number one, nurture an emotional connection. One of the things that you can do in your social media posts is to ask a rhetorical question or a thought-provoking question that kind of helps the reader reminisce or just sparks a little thought in their brain. Here's one. Remember the summer vacations of your youth? Oh, that just brings me right back. Yeah, I start thinking about those summer vacations I took as a kid. Here's another one that has opening words that really make me think. When you get a compliment, how do you react? Do you say something like, I just got lucky, or we did so well on that project because Jane was running it. I'm not really a good mom. I've got lots of help. Then you may have imposter syndrome. Ooh, that one just resonated with me. I had to go on and click to hear more about that. And here's a third one, rhetorical question. Is ambition a dirty word? That's it. See, just short and simple, but it got me thinking. Number one is nurture an emotional connection. Ask rhetorical questions that get us thinking. Number two, highlight the benefits of reading or listening. Here are some examples from real podcasts where the podcaster in their social media post did a good job of highlighting the benefits. This person writes, numerous unexplained health issues could be related to Lyme disease or co-infections. And then the podcaster goes on to explain how she interviews a woman who got a Lyme disease diagnosis 22 years after her symptoms came on. Here's another one that intrigued me. If you enjoy classical music and getting to know the musicians, this episode features an international concert pianist and host of an award-winning film series. Oh, wow, that gave me all kinds of context. And it told me what the benefits are going to be of listening. Here's another one. In this episode, we're talking about price versus value and what that means when it comes to hiring a team for your business. We're talking about hiring overseas contract workers, the difference between a virtual assistant and a tech virtual assistant, and we make suggestions for other team members to hire in order to round out your team. 
wow, that just gave me three or four different benefits that would be of interest to me. Number two, highlight the benefits of reading or listening. Number three, include a call to action. And in the marketing world, we usually refer to that as the CTA, all capital letters, acronym stands for call to action. Often, this is a simple invitation about what you want the reader or listener to do next. So it does not have to be brain surgery. You can say, listen to my guest story now. Click here to learn more about this topic. Read the full article now. Here's how I structured the call to action in the social media promo that I wrote for episode number 64. What's it like to migrate from writing for the Christian market to a big five general market publisher? Susan Meisner, a USA Today bestselling author, shares her evolution as a writer and reveals how she raises the bar for each new story. Listen in, and then I put in the link to listen. So my call to action was really simple. Two words. Listen in. Number four, tell them what they're going to get, especially if length is a factor or if your content is significantly shorter or significantly longer than normal. Here are some examples that you can adapt. A short episode. A two-minute episode. In three short paragraphs, you'll learn dot, dot, dot. In 250 words, I'll show you how to dot, dot, dot. In this definitive guide, we talk for a full hour about. Notice how each of those gives you a time constraint so that you can choose whether you have the time to dive into this blog post or this particular podcast episode. Sometimes people say a short episode. For example, I saw one promo that said, a short episode on managing correct editing of breaths in your podcasts. I wanted to see how this podcaster defined short. So I clicked through and the episode was seven minutes and 17 seconds long. I thought, okay, I can handle that. Seven minutes is fairly short for a podcast episode. Now, what this podcaster did in her link, and I want to talk about this for a minute. It's kind of unrelated to this tip, but she linked to her main podcast directory page instead of to the individual episode where she was talking about breaths in your podcast. Now, her main podcast page, her directory, is really well organized, and so it was easy for me to find the episode, but that's often not the case on many blogs and many podcasts. I recommend, unless you have a really good reason for linking just to the podcast itself, is that you link to the specific episode or the specific blog post instead of to the directory page. Again, don't make people work too hard to find your content. Make it as easy as possible for them to just click that link and boom, they're there. When I did visit her podcasting page, she had a different promo there in her show notes for that particular episode on editing of the breaths in your podcast. Here's what she wrote. Noisy, phlegm-flecked breaths on a podcast are a menace and need to be dealt with. I thought that was a very powerful call to action. More powerful than what she had in her social media promo. So that's something that you can think about too. 
as you're writing show notes or as you're writing a blog post, oftentimes the promo that you use to entice people to click that link to go over and read or listen may be excerpted directly from something that you wrote or something that you said. Like the noisy phlegm-flecked breasts. Ooh, those are really powerful, kind of disgusting sounding (laughs) words, aren't they? All right, moving right along. Number five is to write conversationally. Your social media promos should sound like you talking. We're going to dive in and do a little bit of English teacher stuff here. I'm sorry, can't help myself. Used to be an English teacher in a former life. We're going to talk about point of view. So let's start with first person point of view. And I'm going to give you some examples here. This promo is a combination of the first person singular and the first person plural. Now see if you can discern where it shifts from the singular to the plural. Okay, I'm going to read it word for word. Too often I try to be perfect, but this leads to not allowing people into my life when I need them the most. Our lives don't have to be perfect to let people in. What if we owned our mess? There is beauty in the mess. We learn and grow from the mess. What she did there is she spoke very conversationally and candidly. I try to be perfect way too often. So she used that first person singular there. And then she shifted a couple of sentences later and she said, our, our lives don't have to be perfect. So see what she did there? She went from giving a personal example to inviting the reader to join her in this and that, yeah, we have this in common. Switching from first person singular to first person plural. Now, a lot of podcasters and bloggers, when they're promoting their content, go with the first person plural point of view. That's the we point of view, where the narrator is a member of a group that acts as a unit. This is a really good point of view to use when you have multiple hosts on your podcast or when you have a host plus a guest. So you're talking about the we. Here's an example from one. This week, we are finishing the series for teen girls. Okay, that's it. Now, we, I don't know if that person meant we, like as in they have a co-host or they were interviewing somebody or they're just kind of including the audience in that general we statement. Now, let's talk a little bit about the second person point of view. That is the you point of view. This is my favorite. This is the one I use a lot. Here is one from somebody else's promo. Have you ever stopped to think about what you'll need to accomplish your goals and dreams? It's a rhetorical question, and they just asked the listener directly, have you ever stopped to think about this? Then we have the third person point of view, which is more of the narrative point of view, where you take a step back and you're not doing the I, we, you thing. You're speaking in more general terms. So here's an example. From being a colonel in the army to becoming a speaker, coach, and author, this guest shares his journey of being a leader in the military to growing leaders of the entrepreneurial world. Notice how that one felt a little bit more generalized, not quite as touchy-feely, but the content lent itself well to the third-person point of view. Here's another massive action step for this particular tip. Practice writing promos in either first person 
second person, or third person point of view. Keep in mind that first person is the most informal. It's very conversational, but you have to be a little bit careful because it can sound overly self-promotional. Second person is often used in the rhetorical question type promos. Have you ever wondered? Second person is also often combined with first person and third person. So you can start with the you question. Have you ever wondered? And then you can move to either first person in this post, I'll show you, or the third person. This episode features Michael Phelps, the most decorated Olympic gold medalist of all time. It's okay to shift point of view within a social media post. Number six, when using insider information, define unfamiliar terms and acronyms. I see this one a lot because those of us that are in particular industries assume that everybody else understands all the acronyms that we use within our niche or within our industry. Not true. Here's an example of one. Have you heard about the college student who's biking across the continental United States for FASD awareness? Meet, and then they put the name of the person in and learn about his family, his adventures, and how he's using his 4,000 mile bike trip to learn stories about family's experiences with FASD and to raise awareness for FASD through his project, FASD Across America. While this promo is compelling, I wasn't sure exactly what FASD stands for. I had a pretty good idea of what it was, but I had to Google it. And I discovered that it stands for Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorders, FASD. The podcaster could have cleared things up very easily by structuring her promo maybe similar to this. Have you heard about the college student who's biking across the continental United States to create awareness of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders? And then in parentheses put FASD. Meet so-and-so and learn about his family, his adventures, and how he's using his 4,000 mile bike trip to learn stories about family's experiences with FASD and to raise awareness through his project FASD Across America. What I did there when I rewrote that was I just moved the fetal alcohol spectrum disorder disorders near the beginning of the update so that I am defining what that term that may be unfamiliar to a lot of my listeners means. And then you put FASD, the acronym, in parentheses right after you use the full spelled out phrase the first time. And then after that, you can just continue using FASD. But don't only use the initials. Don't only use the acronym. You have to tell us what those acronyms mean. Tip number seven, proofread before posting. A lot of people are like, oh, it's just a social media post. Why should I bother proofreading it? If you're blogging or podcasting and that is somehow related to your business or your ministry, people who see those promotional posts will judge you based on whether you are correctly using the English language. Now, obviously, all of us are going to have mistakes in our posts from time to time, particularly if we're using a phone to do our social media posts. I have tried and tried and tried for years to use the keyboard on my phone to write social media posts. I just have fumble thumbs, fumble fingers. I cannot do it. I'm bad at it. And so I always make a million mistakes when I post from my phone. Far fewer when I post from my computer, but yeah, the occasional mistake works its way in there. I'm talking about social media posts where words are consistently misspelled, 
where they don't know the difference between I-T-S without an apostrophe and I-T apostrophe S. Yeah, there is a difference between those two words and the your and the your and, you know, all those ones that drive English majors and former English teachers up the wall. Here's an example of one that I'm not sure it got proofread. Maybe it did or maybe the person just didn't know how to spell the word. But they wrote, I interview, and then they put in the name of the person they interviewed, who is an entrepreneur. And you may know him. They spelled entrepreneur E-N-T-E-R-P-R-E-N-E-U-R. Not a bad misspelling of entrepreneur. I've seen it mangled many, many ways. But they did misspell the word. Entrepreneur is a French word that we have adopted into the English language. It is also one of the most misspelled, mispronounced words in the English and French languages. If you don't know how to spell it, don't use it. There are lots of other words in the dictionary that you can choose from. What I do in terms of helping myself to proofread my social media posts before they go live, I compose them in Word. And then I run the spell checker, the grammar checker on them. And that helps me catch a few things that I might have otherwise overlooked. Then what I do is I read them out loud, which really helps me to catch missing words, repeated words, run-on sentences, and other things that sound just plain awkward. Then sometimes what I do is I email my social media promo to my phone because I usually check my social media accounts from my phone and it's really easy to open my email client from my phone to copy the promo and then to simply paste it into the group on their specified promote your latest episode days. Tip number eight, mention the title of your blog or your podcast in the caption and if applicable, include the episode number. I know that a lot of podcasters do not use episode numbers. I happen to be one who does use episode numbers. It just kind of helps me and my listeners to organize in our little brains which episode <laughs> came first, second, third, and so on. Here is an example of how I mentioned the title of my podcast in the caption of one of my recent posts. How can you make a name for yourself when so many others do what you do? By doing business intentionally. In episode 61 of the Professional Writer Podcast, brand strategist Brittany Gardner and I discuss finding your best client, selecting brand photos, developing marketing messages, and filtering the wrong subscribers off your email list. And then I inserted the link to that episode. I include the name of my podcast or the name of my blog in the groups that I'm in because usually these groups have thousands and thousands of members and only a handful of the people in the group actually know me. Also, my website URL, bloggingbistro.com, and my podcast title, The Professional Writer, are different than my own name, Laura Christensen. So letting people know the title of my show is going to give potential listeners and readers useful information that will help them to decide whether to click through. For example, in my social media posts, when I include the title, The Professional Writer Podcast, people are like, oh, that's a podcast about 
becoming a professional writer. So it just gives them a quick little identifier. In other words, like I've been saying, I'm not making them think too much. I'm doing the heavy lifting for them, giving them context. So all they have to do is click and listen. Also, since I number my episodes, I usually also mention the episode number in my promos instead of the generic and not helpful at all in the latest episode. I see that one all the time. Okay, let's say that the person who sees that promo happens to be reading it a week or two or a month after I have published that particular episode. I'll have published a bunch of additional content by then, and they're going to my podcast looking for the latest episode, and they can't find it easily. Be specific. Tip number nine let people know other places they can find you and your podcast or your blog. In addition to linking directly to the episode or directly to the blog post, you can say something like, all episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and our website. If I was looking at that promo, and that was not my promos, it's somebody else's I'm reading to you, I'm like, oh, that's cool because... I listen to podcasts via my Stitcher app. I can go to Stitcher, I can search for the name of their podcast, and I can add them to my favorites so that I won't miss an episode from here on out. If you are a podcaster, one of the key things you want to do is to make your podcast available for people who listen from all the different major podcasting apps. You have to register it with the different directories so that people can find your podcast not just by going to your website, but if they like listening from Apple Podcasts, they can find it there. If they're a Stitcher fan, they can find it there. If they're one of those people that uses a smart speaker, they can say, Alexa, play the Professional Writer Podcast, and hopefully it will start playing the latest episode. You want to make your podcast available in as many places as possible. Another thing that you could do in these promotional social media posts, let's say that you're active on Instagram or Twitter or some other social network you could include at the bottom at the end of that promo you can also find me on Instagram at and then put in your Instagram username or you can find me on Facebook my Facebook page is here or find me on Twitter at such and such I wouldn't get too carried away with that I wouldn't do that all the time because that can kind of give people too many things to do and they may forget to go visit your blog post or your podcast episode because they're trying to find out what other social media channels you're on so they can follow you there. Use that one judiciously. Now, number 10 is to tweak your promos for each social network. You don't have to tweak it significantly, but I'm talking about things like Instagram. Instagram is big on hashtags. You can use up to 30 hashtags in any given Instagram post or in Instagram reels. However, You don't want to use hashtags on Facebook because they're not popular on Facebook. People frown on hashtags on Facebook, except in certain Facebook groups where you're kind of organizing things by topic. You could put in a hashtag there and get away with it. On Twitter, most people use anywhere between one and three hashtags per post. One of the things that drives a lot of purists crazy, like Instagram purists or Facebook purists. By that, I mean they spend most of their time on that particular social network, being that Facebook owns Instagram and Facebook inside of its 
creator studio or whatever they're calling it now has a way where you can schedule posts simultaneously to your page or to Instagram also. So what a lot of people do is they write up the caption for their Instagram posts and they include those 15 or 30 or however many hashtags you want in it. And then they just repost the exact same thing to Facebook. No, don't do that. <laughs> Facebook people do not like it when you do that. They see your supposed Facebook post with 30 hashtags at the end of it. And then it includes the little at with the Instagram username. And people are like, oh, they just got lazy and they just posted their Instagram post onto Facebook simultaneously. We can do so much better than this, friends. Just take the extra minute. <laughs> just seriously, it's like 30 seconds is all it takes to take the hashtags off of your Facebook post and remove the Instagram username and schedule it once for Instagram once for Facebook. I do this all the time. I've done it for years. I also do it for all my clients. It is not difficult to do. You can do it. You have invested lots of time creating your blog post, creating your podcast episode or whatever content you're putting out there for your audience. Don't let that content that you labored over live in a void in hopes that people will stumble across it. Put as much effort into regularly promoting the content you create as you do in writing and publishing it. Did you hear that? Yes, I said put as much effort into promoting the content that you create as you do into writing and publishing it. Here's a little tip for that. Whenever I publish a new blog post or a new podcast episode, I craft right along with the writing of the post itself, I craft four or five versions of a social media promotion for that particular piece of content. I post the first promo to my social media channels the same day that the content is published. I publish a second promo a week or two later, and then I publish additional promos monthly for at least six months after that. Why do I do this? Well, oftentimes the people who follow my social media channels miss the first or the second or the third promo, but they might spot the fourth or the fifth one. And it's really fun, actually, to see a little surge of readers or a surge of listeners for a piece of content that I published on my podcast eight months ago. It happens all the time because I am posting and reposting and reposting those different variations of the promos that I wrote for that particular episode or that particular blog post. And then somebody stumbles across it eight months later and they're like, oh, that was a great post. <laughs> it's fun to do. It's fun to see the reactions that people have and to know that all that hard work that you put into creating that piece of content is serving your readers well. Here is your final massive action step for the day. For the next blog post or the next podcast episode that you're getting ready to publish, craft five variations of a promotional social media post for it. Go back through those 13 tips that I just walked you through and make sure that you're providing appropriate context for the people that will be seeing that social media post. If you aren't already a member of the Professional Writer Podcast community, that's our private Facebook group for listeners, click the link that you'll find in the show notes over at bloggingbistro.com 
and join us and post your variations in the group. That's what we're going to be working on here for the next couple of weeks. The group members will give you feedback on your posts and we can encourage one another and give each other a little bit of critique on those five different variations of our promotional posts. So let's sharpen our skills together. Thanks for hanging in with me till the end of this episode. This ended up being a little bit longer than what I was thinking it would be. If you have enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. Just message them this. Hey, I thought you'd enjoy listening to the Professional Writer Podcast. You can find it at bloggingbistro.com forward slash podcast. See how I sneaked a call to action in there? Thanks for listening, friend. Talk with you again next time.